Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, my guest is Rebecca Goldfarb, who is a partner with Goldfarb and Lou. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. So, Rebecca, t- tell us, what made you uh, decide to uh, have a career uh, as an attorney? Somehow, at 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. Uh, I, I must have seen something or heard something, and, and that was that I really wanted to be a judge. I think I like telling people what to do. Uh, and then I realized, you know, fast forward many years that, that you needed to litigate to be a judge, and I am not a litigator at heart. So, uh, so But being a lawyer was always what I was going to do. So um, what, is your, what is your specialty? We exclusively practice estate planning and elder law. Okay. So, you know, many times on, on the show, I talk to people and I tell them that, you know, again, there's many types of different, uh, you know, attorneys that, that are out there. Um, so, you know, this is your specialty. Can you tell, you know, our listeners kind of what exactly that means when you say, you know, estate, I think a lot of people know what that mean is, what that means, but from elder law, what do you mean, you know, with that? Well, I will define estate planning a little differently than I think most people think of, um, but it's a set of documents that needs to honor your wishes, avoid court, and maintain family harmony. You would be surprised, probably, although maybe you wouldn't, Gary, that about 95 to 98% of the plans we review have a fatal flaw in one of those areas, and the client usually has no idea. So it's a pretty high standard, apparently, although it shouldn't be, right? Right, right. Um, And then on the elder law side, it's really, it's this intersection, a a three-way intersection between I'm starting to need help from other people, Um, and this doesn't mean you're old. We have a lot of early onset you know, Alzheimer's and different strokes and things that have happened to people um, much younger than it should. So this, this intersection of I need help, um, this role reversal with my kids, which is tricky 
Right. <laughs> and then um, the sibling dynamic, the, the kids and their dynamic, and, and trying to facilitate this aging process with their parents. And then, of course, money always plays a part in this and resources. It's very expensive. Sure. So on, on the elder law side of things, what are some of the documents that people may need? So similar to estate planning, right? You need your advanced health care directive. You have to be sure that it has a HIPAA waiver. A lot of estate, a lot of advanced directives do not, which this is the Privacy Act that was passed in 2004. And so you want to make sure that in the event that you are unable to say who can make medical or who can receive medical information that the right people can, namely the people making medical decisions for you, right? right? So the HIPAA waiver is really important. Every state has their own version of that in addition. So you need that waiver as well. Uh, toward the end of our life, and, and this is different for everybody, obviously, a lot of people would like a DNR, a do not resuscitate. So there's what's called a PULSE, a physician's orders for life-sustaining treatment. If you look up POLST, P-O-L-S-T, some states call it a MOLST, a medical orders for life-sustaining treatment, but they're all, this is the new law in almost every state that is not the DNR. So that is really important to make sure that your wishes get honored. And then a power of attorney is critical. So for the advanced directive and power of attorney, if you lose capacity, you cannot create these documents but you need someone in place to make medical and legal and financial decisions for you. So those are critical. And then if you have assets, you probably want to trust depending upon your state. California is the worst to go through probate of every state in the country. Um, the states back East, most of the, the, the estate plans we review are testamentary trusts, which always boggles my mind from a California lawyer perspective, because what that means is, you're creating a will and in your will, it will birth a trust at your death versus creating a living trust now, which means in these testamentary trusts, you, you go through probate for everyone. I'm like, why are you not avoiding probate? But in a lot of the back East states, I was just talking to somebody in New York the other day and they said, oh yeah, it was like a thousand dollar fee and it took six weeks and we were done. California, it's 4% of the gross value of your probatable assets. So real estate is our biggest one. You do not get to right. subtract the debt of a mortgage, right? And it takes a year or more, right? right? So we're the worst. So it all depends. If you want your family to just not deal with any court stuff, do a living trust. But, but those are the documents that are, that are really important. And then on the elder law side, to have your, your a-team, as I call it, you know, the TV show from way back when, um, to have the, the players of the people you'll need so that when something happens, when your loved one falls or when, you know, you get it, have a mini stroke or any of these things that can come up, you know, the, the placement person, you know, you have your, your finances ready to, to help, you have the estate planning stuff done. It's so sad when people come to us and it's too late and we can't create the documents because they don't have the capacity to create them. Right. Now, I know many people think that um, I have power of attorney. So when mom passes away, I can take care of everything. Can you dispel Elaborate. that myth for us? <laughs> So your, your power of attorney dies when you die. 
is what I always tell people. And, and this just came up like a week or two ago with someone who said, I'm trying to use the power of attorney and it's not working. And I'm like, that's because the person died. Right. <laughs> and so it won't work. Right. And same with the advanced directive, although you can handle some memorial stuff, but those documents die when you die. And then really that's when your trust is, is most important. Or if you only have a will, um, and for people who really just have beneficiary designations and they're religious about maintaining and updating those, you know, if financial institutions merge or wishes change or divorces happen or whatever, you, we've seen some really sad outcomes, but not everybody needs a trust. You just have to be vigilant in your planning if you don't. Right. Now, you know, you talked about probate. Um, what are some of the, the typical things that would go uh, through probate if you don't have a trust set up? So if you, and, and I, every state has their own version of what triggers probate, right? right? So in California, it's $166,250. They made that a tongue twister for some reason, because <laughs> it used to be 150 grand, right? Now right. it's this. That's um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, must have been some formula. Uh, so, so if you have $166,250 or more and of assets that are real estate, actually $50,000 or more triggers it for real estate, but that's like unheard of here. Um, real estate, bank accounts, investment accounts, 401ks, IRAs, you know, any of the retirement planning vehicles, anything with a paper trail or an ownership or title to it is going to trigger probate unless it has a beneficiary designation. So those beneficiary designations bypass your trust altogether if you also have a trust. Now, when you say a designated beneficiary, so do you mean um, like a, a TOD account? It could be TOD or POD. Okay. Um, or it could be just straight beneficiary, or you could jointly own it with someone, okay. right? And so if you jointly own it, two spouses, one dies, right? Everything goes to the surviving spouse if it's titled that way. I think what trips people up is two things. One, they don't understand who the owner is always. They make assumptions, right? right. Um, and two, maybe you add people to these accounts because you don't know better, not realizing the unintended consequence of that, which is that person owns it. That person, if you put someone on a bank account, whether it's your kid, your spouse, your parent, whomever, right? They, they literally could take all that money and go, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's not what people intend when they add someone other than a spouse, right? They just want them to be able to access it. And so that's what the power of attorney is for. Right. But, but remember, everybody who gets a power of attorney, whether it's the statutory one that your House and Senate approved, right, that each state has their own or an attorney drafted one, you still have to go to each financial institution and you need to do a power of attorney in each financial institution. I think that that, that, that is a huge distinction right there, mm -hmm. um, because I know many times um, I've had clients that, that when mom and dad pass away or a spouse passes away, whatever it is, you know, the bank is saying, oh, well, no, we need this, you know, this document or that document. And it really stops them from being able to, to move forward. Right. 
so kind of, you know, you, you again, going back to, to the whole probate thing mm -hmm. and having um, to avoid, you know, the probate, you know, to, to recap, you're saying, you know, you need to have a beneficiary listed on it um, or, or jointly owned with someone. The uh, real estate and other things like that, you know, like you said, in California, the, because of the value that that's going into to probate. How can we avoid that? So there is something called a transfer on death deed that I'm not, I don't think every state has one. Um, California does have one, but it doesn't work. But I know Arizona has one. I know other states that have them and they do work. And so the idea is, is that you're putting your person, whoever it is, your kid, whomever, right? On this transfer on death deed that says, hey, when I die, this automatically goes to you. The reason that it doesn't work in California is because you, title insurance won't insure it. So, so you go to sell it, no right. one's buying it without title insurance. They won't insure it for three years after the person died, which is a problem. Um, the other problem that can come up is you, you can't do Medi-Cal planning or Medicaid planning. And so a lot of people need to do that at the end. And while something is in your name alone, it's an exempt asset, but apparently, and I've never come across this because we don't use the transfer on death deeds here, but I've read about it and I've talked to other lawyers that it will prevent you from being able to um, qualify for Medicaid potentially, depending on the state, of course. Um, and it can also prevent you from uh, being able to get a reverse mortgage. So there could be, again, unintended consequences of, of doing these. And so it's really important to talk with a lawyer who specializes in estate planning to be sure that they know what these long, you know, even some estate planning attorneys don't deal with reverse mortgage. You know, if they're just working with young families and doing planning and they don't have these lifelong relationships and they're not doing a lot of trust administration and elder law, they're not seeing these, these issues come up. So it's important to ask the right people. Right. Now, so, you know, we've covered a bunch with, with documents and things like that. Um, what mistakes are you seeing people make before they come in and sit down with you? I think we, we have a lot. We've probably reviewed, I, I would guess, maybe 600 or so estate plans. So from all of those meetings, um, you know, I've, I've put together some notes on, on what the issues are. So, so I'll go through a few for each of the documents. And then I just want to save a little bit of time to talk about um, conservatorships because people often don't realize that consequence. <laughs> um, so in the advanced healthcare directive, remember, this is making, this is giving someone the ability to make medical decisions for you legally. So it's like a power of attorney for healthcare, but it also needs to list your wishes of, of what kind of intervention or care that you want and what your preferences are. And so in California, we call it an advanced healthcare directive. Other states still may call it a power of attorney for healthcare and a living will. But don't confuse that with a living trust or a will because it has nothing to do with that. It's just healthcare wishes. Um, and so we see people put the wrong agents in, in place, right? That these people are not going to put your wishes, uh, their own wishes aside to honor yours. They're not going to advocate for you. They're not going to get second opinions, right? They're not good communicators. And so maybe they're the wrong people for the job. Um, or we see them put multiple people in that role. 
And while you put multiple people in that role, which we will do at the law firm, but we need to have a resolution within the document of what happens if they disagree, right? And so we never see that resolution in documents. The other big issue, and with the power of attorney for legal and finance, that's the same thing. We very rarely ever put co-agents together with that because financial institutions are increasingly not wanting that and not honoring those documents. So we will make people pick one person over another, which when you have multiple kids can be a little tricky, but we work through that. Right. The other thing we see in those two documents is springing powers, right? So you're either, and the client usually doesn't know about this, but the lawyer should not be making this assumption. Either it's effective immediately when you sign it, or you have to be deemed incapacitated by doctors. The problem with deeming you incapacitated by doctors, we are finding more and more often, doctors will not get involved in our legal process. And, right. and 10 years ago, this was not the case, but now it is. And so with the advanced directive, you know, I recommend to everyone make it immediately effective all the time, usually with a power of attorney, the same thing, but I don't let clients give that document out, right? You can give the advanced healthcare directive out, but ultimately because we have these lifelong relationships, I tell them don't give any documents out primarily because you might change them and then you have these documents floating around, right? But, but really I just, I want the control to be able to honor the client's wishes the best and maintain that harmony, which can get tricky. Right. Um, and so I say, just tell them to call us and we will give it out. Um, so that's a big thing. We see that they're, you know, in the advanced directive, insufficient details, no HIPAA waivers, um, no pulse, of course. In the power of attorney, we see no gifting authority a lot. This in California, in every state, certain things have to be enumerated or right. you don't have that power. And the power to gift is a big deal on the medical planning or in your state, Medicaid planning. And then on the will and trust side, you know, we see the wrong people in place all the time, or we see not enough layers, right? You may only in all the documents have one backup, but what if that one backup can't serve? Then we have to go to court. We don't wanna avoid that. Um, we see the funding incomplete. You alluded to this in the beginning, right? People have not, transferred their assets into the trust or retitled the assets. So that funding is really important. We also see these mandatory AB splits in these trusts, where when the first spouse dies, it splits into two parts, the decedent's share and the survivor's share. And this is not what clients expect. Right. <laughs> um, and so it's really important to make sure that if you have that and you really learn about it and you don't want it, you know, you, you restate your trust to get rid of that. We like to have trust protectors in, in all of our trusts because this is our way to avoid court when something goes wrong. The trust protector has a lot of power to fix things um, and to resolve issues. And so, so we like that. And of course, you got to plan for your pets. Um, and so we like pet caretakers, obviously guardians and temporary guardians and, and really making things as detailed as you possibly can. Right. Now you said, you said something about conservatorship. Conservatorship. So this is a surprise to almost everyone who calls us. If you are over 18 and you do not have an advanced directive and power of attorney and something goes wrong, you get in a car accident, a bus accident, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of accident or you have an acute illness 
and you lose the ability to give to create the documents or give that power and authority to someone the only way you can help that person is through a conservatorship and the conservatorship process is way worse than probate and this is across all state lines right so it's essentially going to a judge and saying this person doesn't have the ability to make decisions for themselves anymore temporary or long term and we need to make sure that someone is in place people do get out fighting over who's going to be in that role um, when there's multiple kids usually is the issue or a step parent and kids that can be an issue and this is permanent court intervention so the judge is deciding who makes medical decisions the judge is deciding who makes financial decisions and then we have to do an accounting to the court i don't know if you do conservatorship accountings but every penny that is spent on the conservatee needs to be accounted for every single year. Everything you need to put money into, right? Like we had a client call us and say, she's got a conservatorship for her husband saying um, his mom died. And she's like, I wanna give money to, to, for the funeral. And I was like, okay, we need to go to court. We need to ask for that in advance, right? This is not what, this is for spouses. There is no legal authority once someone turns 18. This is for your kids, right? God forbid something happens to them. So conservatorship is awful and every single person needs a baby estate plan, right? Which is right. the advanced directive and power of attorney. I think, you know, and I'm hoping that the listeners have picked up on this um, and I talk about it all the time, planning. You got to plan. Yes. It's going to, yes, it's going to cost you a little bit of money now to do this planning, but it's going to save you so much on the back end. And I don't mean just financially, you know, you, you talk about the conservatorship. I mean, yeah. having to go through that, it, yes, financially, it is going to cost you a lot because you're going to have to pay somebody to do that accounting and do that in, unless you're going to try to do it yourself. And lots of times, you know, I've done this for people in the form sock, nothing yes. ever totals yeah. properly, so forth and so on. <laughs> Um, and it's very time consuming. Yeah. You know, so, it, so it is something that, that's really important. And, and again, everything goes back to making sure that, that you do the proper planning and execute the plan that you, that you put together. And to update it, right? Our wishes are going to change. Now, right. people change, assets change, but in that advanced directive, which to me is the most important document in the plan, your wishes, you know, I'm 51 now. My wishes at 51 are going to be very different than at 91, right? right? So along the way, you need to make sure that these documents reflect your current wishes. Well, I think, you know, it, and again, this goes back to, um, you know, again, planning and making sure that you have the right professionals in your life and on your team. Um, literally, I just had, um, you know, a guy I went to school with has passed away. And um, he had put his mom down as the beneficiary of his of his retirement plan. Mom passed away probably about six years ago. So yeah. now all of that has to go to his estate, pay right. all the taxes on that, and then you know distribute it out you know from there. But again, this goes back to making sure when you have these life changes, right. like you said, they need to come see you on a regular basis. You know, what is that regular basis to you so, when you talk with your clients? 
we used to do it every year and nobody responded yeah. <laughs> right like we send out a letter we send out an email we call people we text them right no they were like ah i just finished that enough right? right so we made every two years now you know we're at every five years um but we do enough touches with each of our clients you know whether it's birthday cards or congratulatory cards or whatever gifts right. or whatever that that they remember us. So we teach them, you know, if you have these updates, these change, these life changes, come to us sooner than five years. We will do our outreach at five years, but you are always welcome to have a maintenance meeting, you know, it, sooner. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, very important to make sure that you, that you stay in, in touch with your professional team that you have to make sure that, that things are being updated on a, on a regular basis. And, because there are, there's too many things that happen. Like you said, you know, when you're 51 compared to 91, well, what about when, when you're 21, when you're yeah. 27, you know, yeah. um, you know, when you have kids that get involved, um, you know, in your life and, and so forth, I think it's, there's a lot of things that go on in our lives. And I think lots of times we don't think about it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And finding someone, I know it's rare, but finding someone who really values that lifelong relationship and has these maintenance meetings as a part of it so that you feel like, yeah, it's not going to cost me extra, you right. know, to call and, and just knowing how important that is as a part of this gift that you're giving your family is, is a regularly updated comprehensive estate plan, not just the one-time deal that sits on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the years that I've been doing this and, and trying to help people, um, you know, through the, through the process, it's lots of times, if you've gone through that process once and <laughs> your whoever the, your loved one was, didn't have this stuff in order, absolutely aware that you're never going to let it happen again. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're screaming from the rooftops, trying to tell people to to get, get their act together because it is not a fun process. That's Those right. people become raving fans really fast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do very quickly. So our time is, is running quick here. At least like I told you it would. I know. Um, so what have I not asked you that you wish I had? And I'm sure there's a bunch. There's a bunch, but one thing that comes to mind is I know that you work with business owners. Right. And so I think what is almost always neglected in the estate plan when it comes to the, the funding part is to assign your business entity to the trust. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that is really important. And as a part of that discussion with each of our clients, then I, you know, if you're your sole owner, you don't have it to discuss what I'm about to say, but right. if you have a partner to have that heart to heart and say, who's going to control things? Who's going to financially benefit if I become incapacitated or you become incapacitated? These, these agreements, operating agreements, you know, or bylaws, whatever, they're, they're usually not very detailed when right. it comes to incapacity and incapacity happens. You know, right. I know it doesn't happen as with a hundred percent certainty like death, but it does happen. And you want to make sure that if it does, your wishes are honored because most business partners are not thinking they're getting into a business relationship with a spouse, right? So you want or to be- Or somebody's child. <laughs> or somebody's child, right? And so you want to be really crystal clear about what your expectations are. Be sure it's written with your business attorney 
into your agreements and then be sure that you have each put it in your trust and and talked about it you know in the right ways in your trust about what your wishes are i i think that that's that's an awesome point because i know everybody talks about you know uh what happens if if one of us you know passes away and you know how do we buy out the spouse or the family and stuff like that? everybody talks about that but you're right nobody talks about hey what happens if i become incapacitated for for whatever the reason is right. for term or long term there there's you know kind of always always that issue there yeah so rebecca people like what they what they've heard uh today and they would like to reach out and talk to you how can they how can they get in touch with you so our website, our phone number is probably the best. So it's goldfarb, G-O-L-D, like the color, F like Frank, A-R-B like boy, goldfarb, Lou, my law partner is Din Lou, L-U-U.com. So www.goldfarblu.com. And then our phone number is 800-489-1984. Great. I really appreciate your time. I think the listeners would, would get a lot out of this today. Uh, I know I certainly have. Very good. Thank you, Gary, so much for having me. It was great to, to talk to you and to get to educate people. Great. Thank you. Our guest today, Rebecca Goldfarb, who's a partner with Goldfarb and Lou. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.